Do you think that some of the problems that you had mentioned earlier in terms of speculation versus investment were really the cause of the financial havoc that we had in 2008 and 2009, or at least partly responsible for some of the problems that we've had? Well, I wouldn't put speculation at the heart of that. Of course, there's speculation because when someone sells you one of these collateralized debt obligations, you're speculating that it has good, that the rating agencies or some independent analysis uh, says these things are money good. Uh, the basic part of that was a terrible fraud perpetuated by mortgage companies countrywide, Washington Mutual, who were putting away, you know, the system works like this. Uh, you got salesmen out there, and their job is to sell money, okay? So they find somebody that makes 20000 a year. They get them to take on a $200,000 mortgage. They actually give him a $300,000 mortgage, so he spends a hundred before he buys the 200 house. This has been known to happen. And why don't they care? Because they sell the mortgage to a bank. Why doesn't the bank care? Because, because they sell it to a collateralized debt offering. Uh, underwriting, and so they're just it, 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 we we sever in that system the essential link uh, between borrower and lender. If there's no connection between the the borrower and the lender, the lender's going to lend anything. He doesn't care about the borrower. He's going to get rid of the instrument uh, and give it to somebody else. And the rating agencies have a huge onus on them uh, for what they did in this area. You know, it, it was well known that you could kind of buy ratings. I believe these companies were paid to give a AAA rating to a collateralized debt obligation. And as far as I know, believe this or not, there were no non-AAAs because you couldn't sell one that wasn't AAA. So the underwriter would work with the rating agencies and say, what do we need to do to make this a AAA? They all come out AAA. And of course, we now know that some of the ones that came out were single Zs. <laughs> <laughs> At best. Well, included in your list of um, institutions that you indict, you do include Congress. Do you think Congress has a role in trying to change some of these habits of behavior? Well, poor Congress. <laughs> uh, you know, they're a bunch of nice people, uh, and uh, the, the complexities of the financial system are, in fact, rather overwhelming. So they listen to in industry lobbyists and get directed in that direction, unless you get a real crisis as we had in 2008, 2008, 2009. And then, and they're following the ancient rules, sometimes a good one, mostly a bad one, don't just stand there, do something. So they passed the Dodd-Frank Act. And it's still gotten nowhere three years later, I guess, and, uh, or almost nowhere. Uh, sensible things like what we call the Volcker Rule which is designed to keep banks largely out of dealing as underwriters for their own accounts. Uh, and uh, they're working on 193 pages of regulation to make that happen. Obviously, what would have happened in a wise world and without the pressures from these institutions themselves is we would have gone back to what is known as the Glass-Steagall Act, an act that was passed by Congress after the debacle of the Great Depression, passed by Congress in, I think, 1934, which said you can be a commercial banker and lend money, or you can be an investment banker and take all the risks of underwriting. Never the twain shall meet. And uh, so we abandoned that 
1999, and instead of putting it back, just saying, okay, we made a mistake, they have this convoluted law intended to, to accomplish the same thing. I think Paul Volcker did a great job in getting that Volcker Amendment in there, but it hasn't been done, nothing's been done about it yet. So, and then you get the lobbying pressures are terrible. The, the banks and their lobbyists fight every regulation with an army of lawyers and look at every comma. And here the regulators are completely outmanned and outgunned. So what we're going to get out of Dodd-Frank, I think, finally, is very, very little. And you would just prefer going back to... No, I'd prefer naming Vogel the czar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's, let's name you the czar. What, what would you do right now to fix, actually, some of the problems that we've talked about in terms of agency, in terms of protecting the public, in terms of conflict of interest? Well, first of all, essentially, I would pass a federal uh, statute demanding fiduciary duty by money managers, and, and particularly institutional money managers who are managing money that belongs to others. And that fiduciary duty would have something to do with focusing on prudent long-term investing. It would certainly focus on reasonable cost to the, uh, uh, the people that have given you their money to invest. It would certainly focus on low turnover instead of high turnover. Some of these things may be difficult to write. Uh, it would eliminate conflicts of interest in the business, which is another way of saying that we should no longer tolerate conflicts of interest in the money management business, and they are profound. If you look at the mutual fund business and many of the institutions, uh, around 40 of them have public stockholders, of which around 36 are owned by financial conglomerates, great big international uh, banking firms. And the conflict there is these firms come in and buy a mutual fund management company, and they buy it to earn a higher return on their, that is to say, the conglomerate's capital, uh, and they should be investing to earn a higher return on the mutual fund investor's capital. But when you serve two masters, which I think it was Matthew who warned us against, no man can serve two masters. They serve the one that's paying, and that is the management company, to which I concede they have fiduciary duty to their own shareholders. But they also have a fiduciary duty to those mutual fund shareholders. That conflict, my judgment, is intolerable. It ought to say, we just ought to demand a mandatory internalization of the mutual fund industry or spin-off. And would that conflict of interest also apply to even people at the retail level, for example, not necessarily mutual fund managers, but actually money managers where Mr. John Peek Public comes and says, I'm interested in investing my money. And right now we have a system where there are fiduciary advisors, but quite a few so-called advisors are actually not working in behalf <coughs> of the client. And is that something that would that the, the John Bogle czar would also try to eliminate? Yeah, I'm actually working on a, on a group for the, what, what we'll call registered investment advisors. These are people with individual clients directly that are require a fiduciary duty, clear fiduciary duty standard for them. And we're struggling with it a lot because they want to, there's a group that wants to include stockbrokers as having a fiduciary duty to their clients, which I'm afraid is impossible. You know, the stockbroker, how can he be a fiduciary if his boss calls up and says, 
Uh, there's a new underwriting of X Corporation, and uh, we have taken 10,000 shares or 100,000 shares, and each of you guys in the room have to sell 1,000 shares. You quit, you're out. The kids don't eat. It's a transaction business. So it's going to be very, very difficult to accomplish the total fiduciary duty. So I think it's going to have to finally be accomplished. I'm not sure about this, but it has to finally be accomplished by fiduciary, uh, by uh, a, a definition, clear definition of the, the distinction that in effect says, I tell you, my brokerage client, I am not your fiduciary. And uh, that's going to be tough for people to swallow. On the institutional side, interestingly enough, we already have a fiduciary standard in the 1940 Act, the Investment Company Act of 1940, our governing statute. And it is said, and it's said since 1940, that mutual funds must be organized, operated, and managed in the interest of their shareholders rather than in the interest of their officers, directors, investment managers, and marketers. That is not being observed. Unfortunately, in the Act, it's like a, a principle in the policy section right at the beginning, and they never implement it. So we actually have the statute, if you want to argue it that way, and I would. Let's just use it. 